Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and it is time for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Monday, and you know what? I'm going to call it a victory Monday. No, the Steelers didn't play. They didn't win. But anytime, I mean, the team is two and six. Anytime the Steelers don't lose, I count it as a win. That's where we are right now, folks. It's hard to believe, and I can't, I really can't believe I'm saying that, but this is where we are. We're celebrating the Steelers not losing because they didn't even play. I hope you had a good bye week. I want to start the show off with that. I hope you had a good bye week. If, if you chose to sit and watch some football, good. Hopefully it was stress-free. Uh, if you were like me, you didn't watch any football. You caught the scores, you're keeping track of things, but you're not sitting down. I got a ton of stuff done over this weekend. I was able to go golfing. It was a great weekend weather-wise in the Mid-Atlantic. You could not ask for anything better at the beginning of November. But however you spent your bye week, I hope you enjoyed it because guess what? We're right back into the groove. We're right back into the groove, and we're talking Pittsburgh Steelers getting ready in Week 10 for the New Orleans Saints to come to Acroshore Stadium. That's going to be a big game. We'll talk about that plenty this week, but let's go over some news. I'm going to be keeping you all updated on this because it is important. The Chicago Bears lose. That's right. The Chicago Bears lose. The Miami Dolphins find a way to win. It was a high-scoring affair. The Dolphins win means that the Bears continue to lose, meaning that second-round draft pick the Steelers get from Chase Claypool is looking pretty good right now. Speaking of Chase Claypool, though, in that game, 
He didn't do much. He didn't do much. There was a there was a lot of some Twitter buzz. We'll put it that way on uh, about Chase Claypool. There was a end of the game throw that was kind of like a hail mary or just putting up a deep ball. And he hey he did what he always does. He did not high point the ball well. He kind of kept his hands around his body to body catch the ball. It gets knocked down. Uh, so there you go. There's your update, and there's another reason for a victory Monday is based on the fact that the Bears lose. We should all be rooting against the Chicago Bears moving forward. As for the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals, thanks to Joe Mixon, who just went off, I think he had five total touchdowns, they beat the Carolina Panthers, so they do their job at home against a subpar team. And the Baltimore Ravens, they don't play until Monday night tonight against the New Orleans Saints. The Steelers play the Saints, obviously, this upcoming week, so they have a short week, and they got to travel after that game. Other than that, the Steelers and the Browns are both on their bye next week. I think the Bengals and the Ravens go on their bye week. So not a lot of news going on within the AFC North. All right, so this is something I've been teasing the last probably few weeks, and it's something that is not easy for me to do this in a podcast form. Based on the fact that what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to figure out and I'm trying to distinguish which players will be a part of the Steelers' rebuilding plans. You may still think that they're not rebuilding, and that's fine. I do. I've said it a million times, two to three years, this is year one. So if this is year one, we first need to understand that not everyone is going to be back. Not everyone will be a part of this rebuilding process. Unfortunately, there's going to be some players that don't they don't see the other end of this rebuild. They're a part of it, but when the team comes out the other end, hopefully in a very positive fashion, we're talking Super Bowl contending team, they're not a part of it. And that happens everywhere. Anywhere where there's anywhere anytime there's a team that is having to kind of uproot things, fix it and then build it again, There's players that get lost in the shuffle. Now, there's a lot of reasons why a player might not be a part of this. It could be contractual. I'll give you a perfect example. Cameron Sutton. Cameron Sutton is in the final year of his current contract. We'll talk about him when we get to the defense. Is he a part of the plan? Is he a part of the rebuild? I mean, you think about it. They'd probably love to have him back. He's very versatile. He's a very intelligent football player. He's had his ups and downs, but I would say he's had a pretty solid season so far this year. And you have to wonder, is he going to price himself out of Pittsburgh? Does Pittsburgh want to keep him? That matters. A lot of that matters when we talk about this. And then also you have to wonder about performance. That's a part of it as well. If a player is under contract, but they're not playing up to that contract, well, then it becomes really easy for the Steelers to just say, you know what? Yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And they release the player. They don't sign him back, whatever the case is. These are just some of the things that we're talking about with this podcast on trying to figure out which players are a part of the rebuilding plans. I'm not talking about depth here, folks. I want to make that very clear. I'm not talking about depth players. So someone like James Pierre absolutely, I think, would be a part of the rebuilding plan. But he's, we hope, he shouldn't be considered a starting option. He's a depth player. He is a guy that can fill multiple roles. Special teamer, he can fill the role as backup cornerback if necessary. He might be able able to fill a role that's eventually like the nickel cornerback or something like that. But he's not, we're not talking about those type of players. I'm talking about starters. 
So what I'm going to do is we're going to start on offense. And we're going to start on offense. We're going to go position by position. And I'm going to take a look at whether they have a player on the roster currently that I think is going to be a part of that rebuilding process. Now, while I'm going through these, I want you to ask yourself, as you're listening, position by position, if you think they would stay or go. Or maybe you disagree with me. If you want to take this to the streets, so to speak, and talk about it on Twitter, you can. You can follow me at J, the letter J, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. I'd glad to have some conversation about this the day that it's posted or whenever. So let's start on offense. There's a lot of factors here. We'll get to that, but let's start on offense. And we'll do this. We'll do defense in the second half. I didn't get a Monday morning conversation. Why? I was too busy. Didn't even feel like asking anybody. So here we go. Offense. Let's start from the outside and move to the inside. We're talking about wide receivers. George Pickens. Yes, he is a part of the rebuilding process. A rookie. He has four years of control over a guy like George Pickens. He is a part of the plan. He's also one of the reasons why the Steelers were able to get rid of Chase Claypool and feel like they'll be okay without him. Deontay Johnson is also a part of the plan. You may not want him to be a part of the plan, but he's a part of the plan. And he's a part of the plan because of that two-year contract extension that he signed prior to the season. He is locked up for three years. You hope that eventually he gets another contract because that means he's playing good football. But as of right now, I think that, yes, if it's a two to three years and this is year one rebuilding process that I mentioned, then I think that, yeah, you have Deontay Johnson as a part of that rebuilding process. Well, let's go to quarterback. Kenny Pickett, he's a part of that process. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The hope, the hope is that he is the next guy and that the Steelers have found that very important piece of their puzzle when it comes to getting ready for the upcoming season. Behind Kenny Pickett, that's no, they, they don't have that right now. Mitch Trubisky has one more year on his contract. Mason Rudolph's contract is up at the end of this season. They're going to have to look at a backup to try to figure things out once Trubisky leaves if they don't deal him this offseason. If he wants gone, he wants a chance to start somewhere, and I get that. But that's, that's for another time. Kenny Pickett, though, he's that guy. He's that piece. Next, you look at running back. Again, you may not be happy about the way he's playing right now, but Najee Harris is absolutely a piece of the Steelers' rebuilding plans. And I would say so is Jalen Warren. He's proven enough that there you have your one-two punch at your running back position. You hope both stay healthy. They can both contribute. You'll have a third running back probably on the roster. It's not going to be Benny Snell. Maybe it's an Anthony McFarland, someone like that. Uh, but you find someone else that you can just have on the roster. But those are your two guys, and I think they're good there. Now, the one thing I forgot to mention, and I, I, I want to backtrack just a bit to the wide receiver position. I talked about Pickens. I talked about Deontay Johnson. But there's a third wide receiver spot that I forgot. Just overlooked it on my notes. Who else is the wide receiver? You know, when they had Claypool, you want three really good wide receivers. That's ideal. So you have Deontay Johnson. You have Pickens. They're definitely a part of that process, that rebuild. But what about the third? I have question marks there. Is it someone like Steven Sims? He's going to get an opportunity this season to prove his worth. But I don't know. I think that might be one of those holes where they're looking at finding that next guy that could really be what they're looking for at the position. So when you look at the wide receivers, you have Pickens, you have Deontay Johnson, and then you have a question mark. Maybe it is Sims. Maybe it's Miles Boykin. I doubt it. I know it's not Gunnar Olszewski. 
And then at quarterback, you have Pickett, running back Harrison Warren. Now let's go to tight ends, continue with the uh, pass catchers. Pat Fryermuth is absolutely a part of the plan. Connor Hayward is absolutely a part of the plan. Zach Gentry, though, I'm not sold on being a part of the plan. I love Zach Gentry. I think he is proven very valuable for this Steelers offense, but you have to wonder, with Connor Hayward in the mix, how much do they actually value Zach Gentry, and do they want to keep him around and give him a second contract? I'm not so sure they want to do that. He's a good blocker, but if you didn't have Connor Hayward in the mix, I think that it changes the dynamic, but he's there, and they drafted him, so I I definitely think those two, Pat Fryermuth, Connor Hayward, they are the pieces that they'll build around at the tight end position. Then you go to the offensive line. And this is difficult. This is a challenge. Because so far, you look at what you see here when we talk about this rebuilding is that the offenses, the youth on the offensive side of the football, it's going to pay off. You hope it pays off, but it's, it's going to pay off in, in regards to the fact that these players are going to mature, they're going to learn, they're going to get better. The offensive line is dicey. It's very dicey. Let's talk about left tackle. Dan Moore. I have him as, and people are going to hate this, but I have him as someone they're going to build around for the rebuild. I really do. They drafted him in the fourth round, and that's not a huge reach, but he's played well. He has issues. We know that, but he's played well when given the opportunity and when he hasn't been left on an island a bunch. You would expect him to continue to improve. The one thing I keep thinking about is how the Steelers just don't draft they don't draft tackles. They just really don't. They never go and get a tackle in the first round. It hasn't happened in, it feels like, decades. It might, I might be right there. But still, I think they like Dan Moore Jr., and I think they like him at left tackle, and that's going to be his spot. Now, left guard, I've got question marks. I don't think it's Kendrick Green. I don't think it's Kevin Dotson. I don't think either one of those players, and that's a damning statement to both, but mainly to Kendrick Green, because I don't think it's his fault that he was drafted in the third round, but I think it's become blatantly obvious that he is not a part of this team moving forward. So you have Dan Moore at left tackle, but left guard is a gaping hole. they got to fill that hole. they got to fill that hole, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in the NFL draft, I don't know. Now you go to center. Mason Cole's there now. I like Mason Cole. I think Mason Cole brings a lot of value to this team. But I don't think he's that guy. I really don't think he's that guy. Signed him to a two-year contract this past offseason as a free agent. So maybe they do ride with him for two seasons. But I don't see him being that guy that's going to see this team through this whole rebuilding process. I don't think he's going to be that guy that is going to be the foundational piece that the Steelers have typically had at the center position. Dating all the way back to Mike Webster, all the way through Marquise Pouncey. You're talking about Darmani Dawson, Jeff Hardings, all of it. They need to find that next foundational piece. I like Mason Cole. If they keep him for this season, I think they're fine. But I like Mason Cole now, but not in the long term. I don't think he's that center for the team. I do think at right guard that James Daniels is that guy for the Steelers. I think that they they like him. He's young. From a chronological age standpoint, he is young. And they have him for a pretty decent contract for the next, I think, two seasons I think they would re-sign him as long as his play continues at a high level. He's versatile. He's well-educated, well-versed at the offensive line at the NFL level. I think they like him, and they like where they're going with him. 
Again, a lot of people hate the tackles on the Steelers roster, but Chuk's a core for. He's having a good season. You're not talking about Chuk's a core for that much. Yes, he's been flagged for ineligible man downfield and, and sometimes illegal formations. That's not always on him, though. Keep that in mind. If, if Chase Claypool doesn't stop or doesn't go to the right spot in the formation, he gets flagged for it, even though it wasn't his fault. I think that the contract they gave Chuk's a core for says that, hey, if you prove it, we're going to keep you and we like you. I think they like Chuk's a core for. I think he's that guy. So when you go through all of that, this is what was astounding to me. I just went position by position. I did three wide receivers, two tight ends, everyone along the, the offensive line, and then quarterback and two running backs. And as I wrote these names down, I'm just thinking about it. I'm looking at the depth chart on the current roster. There's only two, maybe three, three holes on this group of players that you would say are positions that they need to find that guy for the rebuild. Center, left guard, and then that third wide receiver spot. That's not bad. I mean, that's not bad. That's what everyone's been talking about with the offense, whether you're talking about the rookies, whether you're talking about the second-year guys like Dan Moore and Najee Harris, or whether you're talking about some of the new faces. This offense is young, and I think they're brimming with talent. They just have to put it all together. And this is where some of the other facets come into this. And what I'm talking about is offensive coordinator. Who is that going to be next year? I think we can all say that if you're betting money, if you're a betting man or woman, you're putting money that Matt Canada is not going to be the coordinator in 2023. So who do they get? I don't know. Do other coaches stay? Pat Meyer, is he gone? Are are some of these offensive linemen like uh, Kevin Dotson going to see another offensive line coach in 2023? It's, It's possible. I don't know. But this is something that I talked about, and I don't want to toot my own horn here, but at the end of last season, The end of the 2021 season, everyone was talking about Matt Canada, should he be the coordinator? And I said that, honestly, I trust the Steelers' judgment here. But I did say, and I prefaced this with, and you can go back and listen to the podcast if you want, that if you choose to stick with Matt Canada, that is a slippery slope. And what I meant by that is that Matt Canada has brought in some of his own coaches. He's brought in some of his own players, like the scheme, the personnel, all of it. And so if you change that coordinator going into 2023, now all of a sudden you have to ask yourself, do some of these players fit the scheme that the new coordinator wants to run? For instance, James Daniels, Mason Cole, you talked about that, Chooks core for Dan Moore, the offensive line. Do they fit the scheme that the new guy wants to run? I don't know. I don't know. We will see. It's a slippery slope, and I've I've warned everyone out there that if they stick with Matt Canada and he's not the answer long-term, they could be feeling this for a long time. So we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it works out, and hopefully the Steelers, and I'm not saying it works out with Matt Canada. I'm saying hopefully it works out with someone, and they're finding a way to get the best out of this offense, which I still think if you get those two offensive linemen in there, it could be a really good group. Could be a really good group. There's there's reason for hope on the offensive side of the football. On the defensive side of the football, let's just say that's a different ball of wax altogether. We're going to talk about the defense when we come back right after this. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Monday. It is the second half of the Let's Ride podcast, and we're not talking winners and losers. This is weird. It's very, very strange. Uh, it kind of reminds me of off-season podcast, but still, here we are. We had just gone over the offensive side of the football in terms of the players that are part of the Steelers' rebuilding plans, and I only found a couple holes to fill, that the Steelers need to fill. And when you think about the offense in terms of draft capital that has been spent, it makes sense. You think about Najee Harris. You think about Kenny Pickett, Pat Fryermuth, George Pickens. Uh, all these players were top draft picks on the offensive side of the ball the last two seasons. What about the defense? That's what we're trying to figure out here. What about the defense? So let's talk about the defense. And this is under the assumption that the Steelers are going to stick with their 3-4 alignment, that that's going to still be their base defense. Like we did on the offensive side, we're going to start on the outside, we're going to move to the inside. So we're going to start with, I think, one of the weakest positions in terms of trying to gauge the future of the position, and that is cornerback. I have three cornerback spots, just like I had three wide receiver spots. Three cornerback spots, and I have question marks at every single one. That's scary that I don't have any player penciled in here that I think is a guarantee to be a part of that rebuilding plan. And that says a lot about the players that they drafted on the offensive side, not on the defensive side, all that stuff. Cam Sutton, could he be a part of that? Absolutely, but I don't know based on the fact that his contract is up at the end of this year. Akello Witherspoon, is he that guy? Have we seen enough from him this season to warrant that two-year contract he got at the end of last season? And remember, that's just a two-year deal. So if it's just a two-year deal, that doesn't mean he's going to see this thing through, not his contract, but the rebuild. William Jackson the third, I don't know. They loved him in 2016, but he's he's 30 years old. How what, what are you going to do? I mean, you pick him up. You, if you pick up that option next year, do you give him an extension? Hope he stays healthy. Is he the long term answer? I don't know. That's the thing that's scary about this defense to me. You talk about a guy like Arthur Millette. Is Arthur Millette an answer at any position? I don't think so. James Pierre, I already mentioned him earlier. No, I don't think he is. This is one of the issues with the Steelers. 
when you look about the young talent they have, the defense on, on the offensive side, the defense does not mirror that at all. So with cornerbacks, I have three question marks. There might be some potential answers, but as of right now, as we sit here right now in the week nine bye week, getting ready for week 10, I don't have that answer. Maybe it, maybe you do. I don't. So let's go now to the outside linebackers. I do think they have those players that they like, that they want to be a part of that rebuild in Watt and Highsmith. Highsmith, six and a half sacks so far this season. Not the same without TJ Watt based on the fact that Watt's going to take a lot of attention on his side of the football. But I do think they like Alex Highsmith. I think they value what he does, not just as a pass rusher, but also in run support. I think he's that guy. TJ Watt, he is that guy. Defensive player of the year. Nothing else needs to be said about him. Now, we t- I know I'm not talking about depth, but outside linebacker and pass rusher, edge, whatever you want to call it, is turning into a position that kind of reminds me of cornerback where you almost need to put a third person in there. But I'm not for this exercise, just the two. So Watt and Highsmith, there you go. Inside linebacker. Again, question marks. Question marks. More question marks. Miles Jack, he signed a two-year deal. Is he that guy they want long-term? He's not getting younger. Now, inside linebacker, you have been able to find some veterans that are very wily, smart. They know how to work the game. Not saying he's that guy. He does rely on a lot of athleticism. But what about next to whoever that is? If it's Miles Jack, what the other inside linebacker, who is it? Is it Mark Robinson, seventh-round draft pick? Has not played a lot of inside linebacker. Granted, he made the team. But is he that guy? I don't know. I don't think it's Devin Bush. I don't think Devin Bush is that guy. So now here we have, we've gone over three positions, cornerback, outside linebacker, and inside linebacker. Two of those three, I have nothing but question marks. Nothing but question marks. Cornerback and inside linebacker. So let's go to the secondary. Let's finish it out with the free safety, strong safety. We know Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a part of the plan. He's a part of the rebuild. He signed that mega contract extension uh, this offseason. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. But what about the other safety spot? Terrell Edmonds signed a one-year contract. He's played extremely well this season. He is earning himself another contract somewhere. Where? I don't know. Do I hope it's Pittsburgh? I do. I really do. But I can't put him in as the answer for the rebuild when he does. no one knows where he's going to play next season. Is it Trey Norwood? I don't think he's a starter. I think he's a depth piece, so I don't think it's Norwood. Another gaping hole. DeMonte KZ, maybe? We haven't really seen enough of him outside of the preseason to think that he could be any any sort of answer for the Steelers on the defensive side of the football. Another question mark at that safety spot that Terrell Edmonds occupies now, but might not next year or down the road. Yeah, you're you're getting a you're you're seeing a trend, right? You're seeing a trend. Let's go to the defensive front with defensive end, defensive tackle, whatever you want to label them. Demarvin Leal, as a rookie, is one of those guys. Isaiah Loudermilk is a second year player. He might not be flashy, but he's one of those guys. He's going to be on the team. They traded in 2021 to get him. I would be stunned if he doesn't continue to stay with the organization. I don't have Cam Hayward here. This really pains me to say. It really does. I don't have Cam on this list. Not because he's not good. 
not because I don't think that he is good enough, but to me it comes down to the fact that I don't know if Cam Hayward's going to be on in the NFL in two to three years, let alone with the Steelers. I don't know that. I don't know. I, I honestly didn't even look up how many years he has left on his contract. I could see Cam Hayward eventually saying, I, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm going to step away. I'm going to enjoy my life, probably go into announcing. I know he did some of that in the uh, offseason. He did a great job. I think he'll be fantastic in that role. But I don't have him on this list. Could he? Yes, I think he could. He could be like a Jerome Bettis-type player for the Steelers. Let's win one for Cam. He might not have all the all the answers like he once did. He might not have the the endurance and the ability to stay on the field as long as he did, but he'll still have the strength. He'll still have the wits, the wily veteran. He could be that guy. But I can't put him down here right now. I don't think it's fair to anyone if I did that. If he stays, fantastic. But as of right now with this rebuild, I'm not putting him there. Nose tackle? Question mark. Montrevious Adam, Larry Ogunjobi, you want to put him in the defensive tackle, defensive end? Uh, he's he's a one-year deal. And this is what we're talking about here, folks. This defense, everyone wants to talk about the offense and the ineptitude, and you have every right to do that. And it's bad. It is bad. But when you look at the defensive side of the football, what you see in terms of future, it looks bleak. It looks really bleak. And this is one of the things that I, I've been thinking about. You know, I was cutting grass, I was doing uh, yard work on, on Sunday. And I was just thinking about the drafts, like the, the recent draft picks. It just seems to me, and I'd have to go back and actually look at this and, and really try to diagnose this. How many of these drafts have gone very heavily one way or the other? Meaning heavily on the offensive side or heavily on the defensive side. It's been rare that, and and you think about last year's, this past draft class, very heavy on the offensive side. Calvin Austin III, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Connor Hayward. Yeah, they had some defensive picks. They had DeMarvin Leal. They had Mark Robinson. But that was it. You're forgetting also Chris Oladokun in there as well. So you have these you have these draft pit, draft classes, I should say, where it's, it seems to be leaning more one way than the other. I'm going to look that up, I think. I'm going to see if I can figure this out. But when you have a lot of draft classes that lean one way in their consecutive groups, then that leaves the other side that's in the situation where they are right now. They don't have that next person ready and wanting to go into the next level of their play, which is taking over. It's a problem. It's a real big problem. Like I said, the future for this defense right now is bleak. Yes, you hope that they can make moves, and yes, you hope they can fill spots, and yes, you trust that the team can address these needs. We've seen this before, though, in the Mike Tomlin era. We've seen an offense that is just out of this world and a defense that can't keep anyone off the board. And then they flip it, the defense becomes out of this world, and the offense can't do anything. This has been the ebb and flow of the Steelers in terms of building their roster for a long time. It has been rare that you see an offense that is great to borderline elite and a defense that matches and vice versa. This is the challenge for Omar Khan. This is the challenge for Andy Weedle to try and figure out exactly how they're going to build this roster so that it's not only strong from the inside out, we're talking about the trenches, 
but it's also evenly balanced on the offense and defensive side. Because when I look at this, I don't see balance. I see a young offense that looks like they have a lot of pieces in place to be really good for a really long time. And then I look at the defensive side, and I just see the polar opposite. A lot of gaping holes. And you have to ask yourself, you know, with Terrell Austin, you know, he hasn't really had a lot of time as a coordinator for the Steelers. How does he influence these players? How does he influence the draft? Uh, you know, he's been a part of the draft system, and he's been with the Steelers for several years now. But how does he put his fingerprint on this defense, and what does that look like? I know that they've struggled to get after the quarterback in 2022. They've been without TJ Watt, but yeah, that was that was kind of like the onus for, for Butler and, and the predecessor of Terrell Austin. So this is going to be a challenge. This is not pretty. When I laid it out the way that I did, the offense, you might sit there and say, all right, all right, Jeff, I see what you're doing here. I like the way the offense is trending. You should like the way the offense is trending in terms of looking at future, the long term. But in terms of looking at the defense, I don't like the way that's trending at all. And so what my knee-jerk reaction is, is I, I look at this and think, oh, they're going to go all defense in this draft. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to be the same ebb and flow, the cyclical way of drafting, and it's gonna we're going to find ourselves in a complete opposite way in five years looking at an, at an offense that is depleted and a defense that's strong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong with the new GM, with the new player personnel department. I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope they right the ship. I hope that this rebuild doesn't get delayed because of these gaping holes that I see. And again, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you think you're thinking to yourself, "Man, Jeff, you missed a couple players. I think these guys are are answers for this team." Hey, let, like I said, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter. I'd be glad to discuss this with you. But uh, for me, this is what I see. There is some hope there. There is some hope, but it's a rebuild for a reason. I'm not saying if, if this was perfect, by the way, if this all meaning offense, defense was perfect, there were no question marks, they wouldn't be rebuilding, folks. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. They are rebuilding. I understand it's a process, two to three years. This is year one. They got to get that defense right. They got to get the offense going, and then you'll start to see them turn into contenders and not pretenders. All right, folks, that does it for me on this Monday. Be on the lookout for that tweet on Tuesday. Follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. It's about Tuesday morning. I put out the tweet. It has a Wedding Crashers gift because that's Kenny's movie. And uh, just retweet it. I will, re- I will retweet it later in the day to get everyone an opportunity to respond. All you have to do is respond to that tweet, and I will answer that question on Wednesday. But, hey, we are back. Bye week's over. You know how we finished it up here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great start to your week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.